Welcome to the Self-Publishing School Podcast. This is the podcast to listen to if you're an aspiring writer or an author who wants to be more successful. On this show, you'll learn how to write and launch a book successfully, all from the top authors and people just like you who are doing it at the highest level. I'm your host, Chandler Volt, the founder of Self-Publishing School, the author of the book called Published, and the CEO of selfpublishing.com. For free training on how to publish a book that sells 10,000 copies, go to selfpublishing.com forward slash free training. Hey, Chandler Volt here, and joining me today is Grant Baldwin. Now, Grant's a good friend of mine. Uh, he's also the creator of the Booked and Paid to Speak training program. He's a nationally known keynote speaker and author, and his podcast and training site, The Speaker Lab, provide weekly training to speakers at all levels of their business. As a speaker, Grant has given hundreds of presentations and has spoken to over 400,000 people in 45 different states through leadership conferences, conventions, and other events. His book, and curriculum for students, Reality Check, is taught in 400 schools around the country. Like I said, he's a good friend of mine. Uh, we got the chance to meet officially in person here in San Diego uh, a couple months ago, and I just think he's one of the good guys in this space, uh, and, and just a genuinely good-hearted guy. Uh, and he's sold a lot of books, and he's done a lot of talks, uh, and we're going to be diving into that in this interview. So Grant, welcome. Thanks, Jane. I appreciate you letting me uh, hang out with the brother. I just, I, it's easy to get, you know, people as you're watching this, isn't it easy just to get lost in Chandler's eyes as he speaks? You just, <laughs> just melt into the abyss there. Oh, stop. All right, Grant. <laughs> let's, uh, so, <laughs> so let's take it back. Uh, and, and I want to just give, I always like to start with a why. And that's why did yeah. you decide to write your, your first book? And what did you see that book doing for you and for your speaking business? Yeah. So as you kind of alluded to there, uh, the, the bulk of my career has been as a speaker. And so I actually, um, uh, the, the quick like background story is in high school, I was really involved in my local church. My youth pastor had a big impact in my life. Um, so that's really what I wanted to do. So I went to Bible college, um, was a youth pastor at a local church for a little while, enjoyed it. Parts of it I didn't enjoy, but one thing I really, I really enjoyed was speaking. So I got a lot of opportunities to speak, um, both there at the church and then some stuff like in the community. I really enjoyed speaking, felt like I, I was decent at it. So after I left that, the position that I was in, um, I met a couple guys who were speakers who were speaking a lot in the education market, speaking to high schools and colleges. And so I was like, that's, that's what I want to do. That's the thing. That's, that's my jam. So, uh, I started marketing myself, started kind of learning about the speaking business. And then after I'd been speaking for about a year or so, that's when, um, I had done a good amount of speaking, had a good idea of who my audience was, what I wanted to speak about. Um, and I had some ideas of what a book might be for those audiences that I, I was speaking to. So since I was speaking a lot to uh, high school students, one of the questions that I got a lot from students was um, preparing for life after high school, basically, where uh, I know um, as, I'm, as I'm thinking through like um, uh, what I do beyond graduation of I'm basically told where to go, what to do until I graduate. But beyond that, like I could go to college, I could start a business, I could get a job, I could, there's so many different things that you could do. And so students were just having a tough time figuring out what some of those next steps were and then how like real life works. Like how do you pay taxes, you know, and how do you create a job uh, resume and interviews and internships and dealing with, you know, roommates and relationships and just all the stuff that goes into life. So we created a book around that. And so if anything, the book was in part an additional revenue source, something that I could, uh, I could sell at events where I spoke. Uh, we eventually created a, a curriculum, which I'm sure we'll touch on. Uh, so it was a way to get that, some of that training material into schools. And then also it was a good credibility piece. So 
there were uh, times where people would like decision makers would get my book and they're like, Hey, this is really good. Can you come speak to our students about this? Uh, so they may hire me to come speak about the book, but then also they'd provide a book to all of the students. So the book has been really, really good uh, in a lot of different ways, but especially I'd say as a, just an additional revenue source has been really, really strong for us. That's great. And I want to talk about that, the book as a revenue source a little bit later. Um, take us through the, just, and we won't spend too much time on the actual like writing and all that. We'll, you know, get into the speaking side of things, but take yeah. us through the, the process of writing and publishing your book for the first time. What were maybe some mistakes that you made, uh, lessons learned, and what was that process like? Yeah. So I ended up self-publishing the book. I knew that was really what I wanted to do. I wasn't super intrigued by trying to find like a traditional publisher. Part of it was uh, one of the nice things about combining like having a book with speaking is that you have a literal physical built-in audience whenever you go speak. So uh, at the time of this recording, I've sold 30,000 physical copies of the book, like physical copies. I mean, we're not talking like Kindle or PDF versions, but actual physical copies. And 90, 95% of those sales have come from I go speak and someone comes up and buys the book afterwards. So I knew that self-publishing made a lot more sense for me. So um, I wrote the book. Uh, I remember going to my mom's house regularly to like write chapters every so often. Uh, and I, I did it, created like a timeline at the beginning and just kind of like mapped out of, of this is, I had an event several months later that I knew like I want to have it done by this event. It's always super, super good just for anything I do today at Chainlar. I know you're wired the same way. I'm just having like a, like a deadline of just like, this is, I don't know how we're going to get there. I don't know what steps may need to be involved in getting there, but like, this is the date that this is going to happen. And then just kind of reverse engineering to figure out what needs to happen from there. So, um, spent a little while writing the book. Um, I worked with my sister who happened to be a graphic designer. So she did like the, uh, both the cover design and then just the, the layout of the book. Uh, she did some editing. I worked with an old English teacher who, um, who edited the book as well. And then I actually, um, at the time, I don't think CreateSpace was a thing. I don't think it was around because I published the book in, I think it was 2008. Um, and uh, so at the time we worked with, there's a company, booksjustbooks.com, booksjustbooks.com. And they were basically uh, just a, a printing uh, company where I could submit, like, here's the number of pages, here's what I was looking for, here's like the layout, all this stuff. Uh, and they would give me some quotes on books. And so basically you're paying for a, you, you paid less per book, but you're having to order books in bulk. So my first order was for 2000 copies of the book. Um, which again, I was just like, dang, what, I, I hope someone buys these. Right. Uh, cause it wasn't like you couldn't really, it wasn't like cost effective to order 50 at a time and something like, you know, what a create space, uh, could offer some of these other, you know, options today. Uh, so we'd ordered 2000 books and it took us something like close, maybe a year, a little under a year, I think, uh, to sell those. But actually since then we've gone on to do, uh, seven different printings of the book. And so we've ordered anywhere from 2000 to 6,000 copies of a book at a time. And so sometimes it would last us up to a year. Sometimes it lasts us, you know, three or four months. Uh, but yeah, so we'd have, we'd have pallets and pallets of books, in our garage. Uh, and it worked really, really well again for speaking because I was taking those books to actual physical locations to sell. Got it. Now, before we move into the, the, the speaking side of things, um, real quick, what, what was the toughest part of the whole process of, of creating and publishing the book? And maybe what were some of the biggest mistakes that you made uh, during that time? 
I think one of the, the biggest challenges is just like staying on task, you know, of just like, I have this book that I want to get done. So just like staying with it, because there's some days that, um, the, the way my book was structured was, uh, I had 50 short chapters, like three, four page chapters each around, you know, a thousand words or so. Uh, and so there's, so I had all these 50 chapters and I had them outlined of how, like what I wanted each chapter to cover. And basically each chapter is answering a different question. Uh, and so I, so I could come in and just kind of like, look at this outline that helped a ton just knowing like this is where I'm going versus just staring at a blank screen so I would basically I'd pick two or three of them and I would try to write on those for you know that day or the next day or something um and so it was just like the discipline of it because there were some topics where it was just like bam I got it this is it I'm just it's just flowing right out and there's other days you're just like I know that this is an important topic I don't know what what I should say about it or I don't know if I have enough to say about it or I don't know what direction to go with it um and so, yeah, there's some days where it feels fun and it's good. Like I'm doing it. All right. We're, we're writing a book right now. And there's days you're just like, I just don't want to do this. Like this sucks, you know? Um, and I think that in anything that you're doing, whether it's writing a book or building a speaking business or whatever, like there's going to come days where it just becomes work. Like it's just, it's not fun. You're not looking forward to it. And so that's, that's the case with me. Like it's a non-glamorous, non-sexy part. It sounds sexy whenever you say you sold 30,000 copies or you sold X number or whatever, but it's not sexy when you're sitting in your mom's kitchen, just like, I don't want to be writing this right now. I don't want to be working on this right now. So I think it's just like the, the one of the big challenges for any writer, author, speaker, entrepreneur, or whoever is just the discipline of just like putting your freaking head down and just doing the work uh, when it doesn't, when you don't feel like doing the work. That's great. That's great feedback. So let's get into the good stuff. Into that the is, that stuff. is the good stuff. Right. That's, all I, that's all I got. We're done. <laughs> Mic check off. Interview over. Drop the mic. So for people who maybe they tuned into this interview because they, they want to be like Grant Baldwin, right? They, they want to use that book to start a speaking business. Um, let's get into some practical steps for them. And I guess the first thing would be, what would be your, what is the, like the, the fastest way to your first speaking gig after you've got the book published? Yeah, I would, I would say a couple things here. Um, first of all, and this touched on a little bit what we were talking about earlier, but I think it's really important for, for speakers and authors in general to ask three key questions. So number one, why? Why do you want to speak? Well, how does speaking fit into your business? Because there's some people who I spoke once or twice and it's like, ah, it's kind of fun. I want to do that. How do, I, how do I do more of that? It's like, okay, that's great. But like, are you wanting to speak full time? Are you wanting to speak primarily to sell books? Are you wanting to speak to travel? Uh, are you wanting to speak to get paid? Are you wanting to speak to, to pick up clients for coaching? coaching or consulting. So number one, like why, why do you want to speak? Uh, number two, uh, is who, who do you want to speak to? So this ties in really well with the book is that some people would say, I just, you know, I, oftentimes we're coming from a place of, I want to speak to help people. I want to speak to make a difference. And so when I ask you, who do you want to speak to? If you're just like, I just want to talk to humans. I just want to talk to people. Like this just doesn't work, right? You have to really narrow it down. So you may want to speak to, I want to speak to moms. I want to speak to entrepreneurs. I want to speak to, um, uh, corporate business owners. I want to talk to, um, cat lovers. I mean, it could be anything, but just like being super, super clear about who it is that I want to speak to. The third question would then be what, what do I want to talk to them about? So why do I want to speak? Who do I want to speak to? What do I want to talk about? Uh, and so again, some people are just kind of like, I just, I just want to talk about anything. What do you want me to talk about? It's like, that doesn't work. Like really be clear on this, on your why. And then especially from a marketing perspective, your who and your what. And one of the analogies I like to use is uh, similar to like a book. So if your speech was packaged up, 
and you were to take that into Barnes and Noble, where would that where would that sit? Where what what category would that be? In what part of the bookstore would that be in? I don't know. It's just it's just for everybody. Like that doesn't you can't you can't build a business like that. You can't build a book like that. You can't build a speaking business like that. So you want to be really really clear about who you want to speak to and what you could speak to that audience about. So from there, then the next step would just kind of be figuring out where do those people gather. So um, I'll give you an example. Like whenever I got started. I was speaking mostly to high school and college students. So I was speaking uh, at high school uh, school assemblies. I was speaking at high school leadership conferences. I was speaking at college orientations. So I had this book about helping students transition from high school into college. Where would those students gather? So naturally, you know, high schools, conferences, colleges, those places would be a good fit for the book. Now, again, for context sake, I had been doing some speaking then created the book and the book helped me to continue to get some additional speaking engagements. And for me, that's kind of what I, I like is if you, if you're, I don't necessarily think you have to do one or the other first, but speaking for about a year first helped me to refine my message, helped me to get super, super clear on who I wanted to speak to. Because if you want to speak and have a book, it's just natural that those audiences would be the same so that you're not like, I speak to this audience, but I have a book for this audience and it's just disjointed. So, um, so by speaking for a little while, it helped me to kind of figure out who I was speaking to, what I was speaking to them about, what needs they had, and then creating a product in this case, a book that really, really helped them. So, um, so again, answering out why, the who, the what, and then figuring out where some of those people gather, uh, that would be some, like some early on steps there for, for getting started with speaking. Got it. That's great. Hey, Chandler Bolt here. I hope you're loving this episode so far. It's time to go from inspiration to implementation. All right, so if you've learned something, we want to help you implement what you've learned with your book. So what I want you to do right now is go to selfpublishing.com forward slash schedule, book a publishing consultation with one of the experts on my team. We'll talk about your goals for your book, your dreams, your challenges, your next steps, and we'll start putting together a plan. All right, so go to selfpublishing.com forward slash schedule, book a call with the team. Let's see how we can help with your book. It's time to implement. You said you you kind of don't have an opinion either either way, but I, I'm curious what your thoughts are. It's like the chicken versus the egg, right? Yeah. Do you think that you have to have a book before you get out no. there? I'm going to interrupt you there, but Got go it. ahead. So no. So you, so if you don't have to have a book, then it's like, okay, now you need to speak and then get the book, which will kind of pour gasoline on the fire. So I guess yeah. let's, let's trace it back to even the chicken and the egg before the chicken and the egg. And that's getting that first speaking gig, right? Yeah. Like how do I speak if I haven't spoken before? And what yeah. would your advice be there to, to land that very first gig? And I guess maybe we could go first gig in, in, in general, and then let's drill it down to first paid gig. Yeah. Well, uh, let, let me, let me, uh, um, let me give you more of an answer there on terms of no, I don't, you know, if you have a book, that's great. And that's not going to hurt your cause. It's going to help your cause. If anything, if the book is well done, um, like a, one of the biggest pieces of advice I always got about self-publishing is your self-published book shouldn't look self-published. And so people judge, like whether we want to admit it or not, people judge books by their covers. And the same thing is true with your speaking. So if I see your book and the, and the cover looks like it sucks, I assume that it's a bad book. And the same way that if I look at your marketing materials as a speaker, especially your website and your demo video, 
and they suck, I assume that you suck as a speaker. And so if you have a book, great, but you don't necessarily need a book in order to get started. So um, again, that was the order that I, I personally went in as I did some speaking first, then did the book and then continued to, to do more speaking. Um, whereas I know other people have done it the opposite of I create the book and then I start doing the speaking. Um, so I don't necessarily think there's a right or wrong way to do that. But um, to answer the question there, uh, those two key marketing tools that you really need, um, uh, creating the website and having the demo video. The reason that the demo video is so critically important is because people, if they're going to hire you to come in and, and speak, they want to get a sense of of your style, of how you speak, of how you communicate, plus just the fact of if you're any good or not. You know, um, uh, think of it like this, okay? If you were in charge of a, I know that your, your brother plays in a band, right? So if you were in charge of a club or a concert venue and uh, your brother's band was trying to get them to get you to book them. One of the first things you'd want to do would be to listen to their music. You know, if, if he just came to you and he's like, no, 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 come on, I'm your brother. We're really good. Just trust me. It's like, you could be, but maybe you're not, you know? And, um, but I mean, think about it. Like if you're just talking to a stranger and like, you should hire me to speak at your conference or your event, just trust me. I'm good. It's like, I'm putting my neck on the line. If I'm going to hire you and put you up in front of a, in front of, you know, peers or colleagues or whoever. Uh, so I want to make sure that you are good at what it is that you do. Uh, and so having that demo video and demo video, I think a good way to think of this is like a, almost like a movie trailer. So think of what a movie trailer is. It's basically, it's 90 minutes movie that they boil down to two or three minutes, just to give you a sense of like what the movie's about, who's in it, what's the plot, what's the theme, where's the movie going. You just kind of get that overview. And the point of the, of the movie trailer is to make you want to see more. And that's really what the what exactly the demo video is for a speaker. It's the type of thing that gives a decision maker an overview, but makes them want to see more. So having the the website, having the demo video for speakers is really, really important. Now, you can get free gigs without having those in place. But if you want to get paid, you really need to have a website. You really need to have uh, a demo video there. So to answer like the, the free paid thing, um, it's not overly difficult to get free things just in your in your own local area, especially. I think one of the best things you can do in getting started is just kind of tapping your own network, uh, talking with peers and, and family members and friends, putting it out on Facebook or social media and uh, being clear again on who you speak to, what you speak about, and then just trying to figure out who are some people that I may know that may be in that space. Okay. I want to speak in the medical profession. Okay. Who do I know? Okay. Uh, you know, that, that neighbor of mine, he works at a hospital. I wonder if he knows of anything there. I wonder if I could talk with him or that friend of mine, they're a, a health insurance agent. You know, I wonder if I could talk with them, see if they know of any opportunities. So you're just putting the word out. And part of the reason is that uh, if people don't know you're a speaker, they won't think to hire you. Like they just won't. Like I, I remember a couple years ago, I started doing a little bit of coaching uh, and I remember uh, I was like, I decided like, okay, let's, uh, we're going to do some coaching. And, and uh, like, I wouldn't really picking up any clients. And then I put on, I started putting on different places on the website, talking about it on our podcast that we were doing some coaching. We we're picking up a bunch of coaching clients. Crazy. Like people don't know that you do the thing unless you tell them that you do the thing. Right. So whether it be as a speaker or an author or a coach or consultant, or whatever, making sure that people know that you're a speaker uh, so that you can stay top of mind for them. So uh, again, that it's not overly difficult to get the free stuff local. Um, and there's some reasons we can talk about doing free versus paid stuff and, and which makes more sense. Um, but if you want to start doing more paid things, then again, having the demo video, having the website are really, really important to give you some of the credibility that if we're going to write you a check, if we're going to put you on stage in front of our people that we feel comfortable and confident in, in hiring you.
Got it. Love it. So we're we're nearing our audience, which is very, very important, obviously. Uh, as, as Bill Cosby would say, you try to please everyone, you end up pleasing nobody. So Good we're nearing Bill. our audience and and we're we're getting focused. Okay. And yeah. then we're we're figuring out who are the people locally that we know, who are people that we know that might could book book yeah. us to speak. Then we're letting them know that we do the thing. Yeah. We're letting them know that we are speaking. Do you have any tips for like specific types of reach outs or specific things that you do? to get booked or like ways that you position it. Cause I know for a lot of people, this is like the most intimidating part of the process is right. Yep. Right. It's like, uh, Hey, I speak cool. Yeah. Talk to you later. Right, <laughs> you right, it's, right. So do you have any tips or any like techniques that you use to actually like reach outs that are successful yeah. uh, and they may be a warm reach out. They may be a cold reach out. Yeah. Let's talk about the cold one. Cause I think that's typically going to be the most common for people is, um, I see this event out there that I want to speak at. I think I'd be really be a good fit at, I think I know who the decision maker is, but I'm not really sure. I don't even know what to say to them now. So let's kind of talk through like how you would actually approach that. I think one of the simplest ways to actually find speaking engagements is just using Google uh, and being really, really clear on, uh, tell you what, actually, can we do a screen share on this? Can I share my screen with you? Yep. yep. Okay. Let's do this then. I'll, can I give you like an actual example? Let's just do one right now. Let's do it. Okay. So if I was speaking, give me a topic of, if I was speaking about what, if I, if I had a book about something. Let's say it's about uh, raising horses. Raising horses. Fair enough. All right. So what I'm going to do here, uh, let me share my screen with you. All right. Can you see that? Yes, sir. Okay. So what I would do here is I would just go to Google and I would plug in things like this. Let's just start with like horse, uh, horse conference. Okay. Um, and what I, what I would be looking for here, and you could do this with other variations of keywords. You could do uh, horse conference. Um, horse convention, horse association. You can see uh, American Quarter Horse Association. You ready for a fun fact? I actually have spoke at this conference, the American <laughs> Quarter Horse Association, several years ago um, in Texas. No joke. That's a true story. I've actually spoke at that. Um, so, okay. So let's just, let's use this as an example. I know squat about horses, but we can use this as an example because I, I know I've spoke there. Um, and so if we go, I go to their site uh, and then basically what I'm looking for is I'm looking for like actual conferences and events. So I might look up um, I'm kind of just scanning here and because we are literally doing this on the fly. Um, uh, let's see. I'm basically, I'm trying to find actual, like actual events. Let's find a different one here. Well, uh, actually let me go back here. Cause I think, yeah. Okay. So this is maybe the convention page here. So the next thing I want to do is, so I found, I found a, uh, okay. I want to speak, uh, to horse owners or breeders or raisers or whatever. Uh, and I find a potential horse conference for me. Next thing I want to do is I want to try to figure out some information about it. Like when's the conference? Uh, cause if it's the type of thing that's like happening next week. Okay. So for example, here it is. Um, you know, here's this conference happening March, 2016. All right. That was a couple months ago. Uh, but here's the next one. It's going to be March. March 2017. So now would be a decent time to start probably reaching out to them while they're starting to think through what their next year's conference would look like. Uh, and so one of the things I would be doing here is I'm trying to find who the decision maker is. Um, and so you could use a, you know, a, a trying to find, basically what I would do here is I'm trying to find uh, actual decision makers, not sending like a generic um, email to a contact form, but I'm looking through. Uh, so for example, what I would do here, is I try to find like a staff directory and just try to skim through and try to figure out my best guess on who the decision maker might be. So I see, um, here's the director of shows and new events. 
Uh, da, 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 da. And so, I mean, you could go into this a little bit more in depth than what we're doing. I'm just trying to give you an example here of what this might look like, but I'm trying to just find who my best guess is as the decision maker for like, so the conference I spoke at was a youth conference. Uh, so the director of event planning and youth recreational writing. So this might be the gal that I'd want to reach out to. So I'd want to next step would try to be to find her email address. And so from there, what I would do is I would send uh, and I'll come back over here for a second, just back to, uh, there we go. What I would basically do from there is, um, I'd send her a short, simple email of just saying like, um, uh, Hey, I just came across your American quarter horse association conference next March in San Antonio. Looks awesome. I'm curious when you'll start reviewing speakers. Thanks grant. That's it. That's the whole email. So I'm not going like, Hey, I just came across. I speak about quarter horse. I used to own one when I was five and here's a picture of my farm. Here's a picture of my horse and here's my website. Like, like don't do that. Like if you send some like 98 paragraph unsolicited email to someone who has never <laughs> heard of you before, like they're not going to read it. They're not going to respond. They're going to delete that. All right. So all I'm trying to do is just send them like a really, really simple email that gets them to reply. That's my sole purpose of that first email is to get them to reply. That's it. So I'm asking them something simple like, when will you start reviewing speakers? Your conference just happened. When will you start reviewing speakers for the next year? So that's really what I'm trying to do there. And all again, all I'm trying to do is get them to reply. Uh, the goal from there is that whenever I'm, I'm beginning, hopefully to correspond with them, that they reply with an answer. The goal is ultimately to get them on the phone because really selling happens on the phone. So I, I don't want to just email back and forth with them. A key point in all of this is that speaking is a relationship business. People do business with people they know, like, and trust. And so I know that I can build much better rapport if I can get on the phone with someone or talk to someone versus just exchanging some text emails. Like that's just, there's, there's just, can't get a lot of read on people by doing that. So I want to get them on the phone. So let's imagine that I send them an email. Let's imagine that that Karen gal emails me back and she says, um, uh, she says, actually, we're gonna start reviewing speakers next week. Um, if you have some information, feel free to send it over. Okay, from there, what I would do is I would probably pick up the phone and call her. Hey, Karen, I just got your email. I figured it'd just be simpler just to, to, to give you a quick shout and kind of talk through your conference and what we might be able to do to help. Did I catch you at a good time? So I'm, I'm wanting to just like, I want to get her on the phone. Uh, so that's kind of the process I would walk through there. And so basically what we just did on Google, I would do that times a bunch. So meaning that I'm, again, I'm looking up horse. Um, let's just go back. Let me go back to uh, where we were there on Google. Uh, da, 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 da. Is this helpful? Yep, this is fantastic. All right, I'm gonna keep going then. So I would look up things like horse conferences. So I would again, I would start going through some of these types of it. Again, imagine that I'm a, a, a you know something related to horse speaking, and I would start reaching. I would start. I would open up a bunch of these tabs, and I'd start going through these. I would look up, like I said, um, horse uh, associations. Uh, I would look up horse. Uh, convention. Another little trick and another little tactic here is um, uh, whenever you are just getting started, uh, like this, that particular conference we were looking at was a national conference. So they're probably looking at, at bigger national speakers. But whenever you're getting started, it's good to look at like local conferences. So um, I'm in, I'm in Nashville, for example. So I might look up 
um, I might look up horse convention, Tennessee, and just see what exactly, which ones are, are happening in Tennessee that I could like this one, Murfreesboro, um, that that's 30 minutes from my house. So they may not have a huge budget where they can afford to spend, you know, thousands of dollars to fly, you know, some big wig in from somewhere else, but they can afford to spend, you know, a, a smaller amount to get someone to drive 30 minutes to their, their conference. So those type of things, this one is in the town that I live in, in Franklin, right? The Tennessee horse expo. Well, that's perfect. I, I'm a ten, I'm, I live in Tennessee. I'm a horse speaker. So you could do something like this as well. Here's the Tennessee Quarter Horse Association. So the point is, is again, this goes back to, um, I'll come back here for a second. Let me, da, 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 da. Yeah. So this goes back to what we were talking about earlier is being clear on your what and your who. Because if you're just like, I just want to talk to people. Well, like, what are you going to Google then? Like, that's always a barometer I look through is just like, what would I Google to find events like that? So then I can, I can follow up and, and, and reach out. So again, it's not overly complicated. It's not, and that's just one way you can find speaking engagements. Um, it's not overly difficult. It just, you have to do the work. And so most people are like, okay, I created my website. I created my demo video. Um, and now I just sit back and wait for the phone to ring. That does not work in the same way that I printed my book. I got my book out and I just wait for people to buy it. Like people won't buy it if they don't know you exist. And so rather than hopefully waiting on them to find you, it's a lot easier and a lot easier to get the, the ball rolling and building some momentum if you begin to reach out to them. Because again, you know, if I'm a horse speaker and they uh, are a horse event and they have people interested in, in horse related topics, they're looking for someone like me. I'm not reaching out and bugging them. Like they're most likely looking for horse related topics and speakers. So I'm a good fit for what it is that they do. So I'm really providing uh, a solution to the problem that they have. Got it. That's fantastic. So we got the cold reach out, the warm reach out, whatever that is. What are the next steps that happen from there? And what, and how do you close the deal? Cause I imagine the, that in this sort of thing, follow-ups gotta be a, a, a it's gotta be a major part yep. of it, but what are the steps um, that you go through to make sure that you close that deal or to close as many as, as possible? Yeah. I'll give you a couple thoughts on this. First of all, um, do remember that this is a numbers game. All right. So we just hopped on there. We found the American quarter horse association. We found Linda. We could reach out to Linda doesn't mean that she's going to reply to us ever. All right. So she's busy. She's on vacation. You have no idea what's going on on the other end of the email. She didn't even get the email. It got caught in their filter or something. So just know that this is a bit of a numbers game. So the more potential clients that you reach out to that are, you're a good fit for, the more likely you are to book something. So keep that in mind. So you may send out 10 emails. You may only hear back from two or three of those people. And of those two or three, you may only book one thing. So don't, don't feel like this, you're going into something feeling like this is going to be like a, a 10 for 10 thing. Um, the other thing I would say is um, uh, have a long-term perspective on this, meaning that, okay, so for example, we found that American Quarter Horse Association Conference, it happens next March. That's what, you know, like nine months from right now, uh, nine, 10 months from right now. So they may not even book a speaker till, let's just say they don't book a speaker till September. Well, it would be really, really easy to send Linda an email and say, hey, when September comes, hope you think of me. Like, don't do that. Linda's not gonna think of you in September. So one of the things I would do then is I would ask her, hey, do you mind if I follow up with you in September? Uh, and then here's a big key, all right? If you tell her that you're going to follow up with her in September, follow up with her in September. I'm telling you, I know, it's not overly difficult, but I'm amazed at the number of events that I have, have, have got and the number of events that other people have not got because they just didn't follow up. So again, I don't want to be annoying. I don't want to be a pain to Linda. I don't want to bug her. But if I reach out to her and I say, do you mind if I follow up with her with you in September? And she's like, yeah, please do. 
then I'm not annoying her when I follow up with her in September. And if I follow up with her in September and she says, oh, actually, our board is meeting in two weeks. Cool. Do you mind if I follow up with you in two weeks? Yeah, that's fine. Great. I'm going to follow up. So you want to have some type of system, whether um, we, we've used um, Highrise, which um, uh, used to be a 37 Signals product. Um, you could use Contactually. You could use um, even just followup.cc is one that we use a lot now. So just like something to ping yourself and remind yourself, even just a calendar reminder, just something where uh, if, if, if Linda told me to follow up with her in September, I put that into my system and I'm just, it's out of sight, out of mind. I don't think about it. And then in September, it's going to pop up and be like, oh yeah, yeah. I remember I talked with her back in May and I'm really, really glad that I followed up with her now because she's looking for a speaker. And so the part of that is not only to follow up and have a system to follow up, but remember that whenever people book speakers, they typically only do that, you know, depending on the nature of their job, maybe once a year. And so you want to catch them at the right time of year. So if, if some of these people don't reply, it's not because they're mean or they don't like you or you, you know, gave a bad impression. Sometimes it just means like, I don't, I don't need that thing right now. Like if someone emails me right now and it's, and it's, you know, springtime here in Nashville and someone emails me and says, Hey, if you need help shoveling snow, let me know. I don't need that right now. Like holler at me in December when it's like an, it's, it's right here and it's an urgent pain. And I'm going to be a lot more likely to want to like do business with you. So just knowing that to, to catch people at the right time. And so some of that means just, just following up. The thing I would say about just having that long-term perspective is that I remember early on in my speaking career, if I would reach out to, if I reach out to Linda and, and I'm a potential speaker for her and we're emailing back and forth and she's like, Hey, we picked someone else. We went a different direction. I would be devastated. I would be so bummed out. And then I quickly realized like, you know what? They're going to have the same conference next year and the year after that and the year after that. And, the, and they're going to always need speakers. So there's some clients that I would follow up with year after year after year after year. And it took sometimes like four or five years and eventually they would book me. Uh, so again, have this long-term perspective because it's not like, all right, I want to be a speaker. So now I'm just going to go get a booking today. Like it probably won't work, work like that. Like it may take you, you know, uh, a couple of weeks maybe to get your, your first booking because you're trying to, again, catch people at the right time. You're trying to catch, you being the show, the, the snow shoveler when it's snowing, you want to be that guy. Uh, so catching people at the right time. And again, some of that just takes uh, a little bit of time to catch people when, when they're looking for you. Got it. So follow-up is key. And I think the, the, the thing that's helpful for some people is that you aren't annoying people by following up with them. You're actually right. making their life easier, especially right. if they're that person that has to book the guy to come and speak. Like, what's the last thing they want to do? spend a lot of time and energy booking the guy to come to speak. So like right. if you're the guy that's making it easy and saying, Hey, I'm here, I'm here, I'm right. here. It's me again, book right. me. Then it's going to be a lot easier for them to book. Me. You're just so trying, you're just trying to stay top of mind there. Uh, you're just trying to say, again, saying like with the, 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 the snow shoveling guy, you know, if he's like, Hey, you know, I know I can't do anything for snow shoveling. It's not snowing right now. It's a beautiful day, but, um, tell you what, do you mind if I check back with you the first time it snows? I was like, sure, because I'm not going to remember him at all. When it starts dumping snow out there, I'm going to be like, I think I may have talked with a guy at one point yeah. when it was the sun was shining. But if all of a sudden he shows up on my doorstep, I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, you're the dude. I remember you. I liked you. Yeah. You said you were going to follow. And again, just also keep in mind here of like you said you were going to follow up and then you did. Like this is weird, but it's so rare that people actually do that. And so there are times where I know like the client told me I got the gig, not necessarily because I was the best speaker, but just because I was consistent and I followed up because part of what they're hiring you to do is they're, they're hiring you to like show up and speak on that stage and represent their, you know, their company, their conference, their organization or whatever. But the other thing that they're hiring you to do 
uh, is just be easy to work with. Cause like, that's one small piece. Like if, if, if I'm putting on a conference and I have a speaker up there, like that speaker is one piece of a lot of moving pieces that I have for that conference. So the easier you are to work with, the more self-sufficient you are, the lower maintenance you are, it just makes the client job that much simpler, makes their life that much simpler. So, so you're trying to, you're, you're part of what you're doing is you're setting that precedent. You're setting that bar that you haven't even hired me and I'm doing what I said I'm going to do and I'm following up with you and I'm staying on top of it and I'm organized and it just, they're like, man, it just seems like, like they just seem like they have their act together. Whereas, um, I'll, I'll give you another example real quick. There was, uh, I was looking for a new accountant. And so I was talking to a couple different accounting firms uh, here in town and just some people that I, I, who, who had recommended to me and referred me to some. And so there's one potential, uh, option I had in town here. And so I, I had a call with them and they're like, Hey, I'm going to get you a, uh, we're going to get you a proposal in the next couple of days. It's like, great. That, that'd be awesome. So I, next couple of days came and went and like 10 days went by and they finally sent me a proposal. And at that point I'd already picked someone else. I'd already moved on. Um, and so I emailed them after they sent me, uh, the proposal, I followed up with them and nice. I wasn't like a jerk at all. I said, Hey, as a business owner, I would want to know this, but just a heads up, you told me it was going to be a couple of days. You didn't get it for me for almost two weeks. And so I just, I just didn't want to wait, you know, so it kind of just put this taste in my mouth of like, if I do need something with my accounts or my taxes or my bookkeeping or whatever, how long is it going to take for them to reply to stuff? You know? And so that you're setting that precedent before someone even, uh, even would, would hire you. That's, that's fantastic. And the interesting thing about the getting, getting the micro commitment up front is that it's a deep, deep, deep psychological, you know, like influence psychology of persuasion, Robert Cialdini, he talks about the, the commitment and consistency principle. Uh, and, and so you're getting a commitment at the stage when people that think that commitment is worthless because it's like, yeah, surely this person won't follow up. Yep. So just like the kid that's saying, Hey, can I shovel your snow on the first snow, uh, in, in winter? And you say yes, or just like, yes, you can follow up as you're getting that commitment. And then as human nature, we want to be consistent with that commitment. Yeah. So when you come back and you're like, here I am, I'm ready to you get told me to be here. Like, <laughs> let's do this thing. And I almost feel like if I pick someone else, I'm going back on that uh, commitment that I made that's previously. So there, there's like, there's some deep, deep psychological things there as well, which that's just fantastic. Now I want to shift in kind of the, the, the final gears here, which is okay. I'm getting booked to speak. How do I set my fee? Um, how do I get more for my fees? So how do I get paid more? And then you, you touched on this. So I want to kind of round it out with free versus paid yeah. um, for, especially for the first gigs. Yeah. Let's go through a couple different pieces there. So um, how much should you charge? Well, it depends. All right. It depends on a couple different factors. So uh, first of all, it depends on your market. You can charge more in some markets versus others. You can charge more speaking to a fortune 500 company versus a high school. There's just totally differences. Now, it's a lot easier to get into a high school than it is a Fortune 500 company, but it depends on your market. Uh, you can charge. Um, you can charge more speaking to. I can. I can. I can charge more speaking to like corporations versus a, a college, you know, or a nonprofit, for example. Uh, the second thing, it would depend on your marketing materials. Again, people judge books by their covers, and so if you just, you know, you just threw up a, a site, or someone asked you, um, "Hey, I want to check out your website," and you're like, "Oh, go to my my Facebook page." That like they're not going to take you seriously, right? So your stuff needs, doesn't necessarily mean you need to spend like tens of thousands of dollars, but it means your stuff needs to look professional. It needs to look sharp. Uh, the third thing I would say, and some of it just depends on your experience. Meaning if you're a brand new speaker, you're just getting started. You're typically not going to be able to charge as much as someone who's been doing this for, for several years. So having said that, even though there are a bunch of variables there, 
Um, most of the speakers that I talk to that I work with, it's not unrealistic for them to get paid anywhere from a thousand to three thousand dollars on like their first paid speaking gig, a thousand to three thousand dollars. Now, again, sometimes it could be a little higher, sometimes it could be a little lower. Um, but there's a lot of speakers I've seen that have have got something within that that range there. Now, um, uh, another thing that that do here that I think is helpful is to find other speakers in your market, your particular market, uh, build relationships with them, not only just for referrals, but just to learn about that particular market. Like what's the going rate in this sandbox? I know what it is over there. And I heard that, you know, Hillary Clinton's getting hundreds of thousands of dollars over there. But like in this sandbox, speaking to, to horse people, like what's the, what's the going rate? Um, which is another like quick tactic is you can look up like horse speaker um, and find other speakers who are speaking about a similar topic and see what events they are speaking at. Just a little ninja bonus for you there. Um, so let's talk about like the, the difference between paid versus free. Cause sometimes like free has this negative connotation. Oh, you're not a real speaker. If you did, if you did it for free, um, let me give you an example. I'll give you two examples. Um, I spoke at a conference a couple of years ago uh, and, and spoke there for free. Um, but as a result of speaking at that particular conference for free, uh, I sold, um, uh, had a couple of people who signed up for some of our courses. We had some people who um, ended up becoming coaching clients. Uh, that workshop, that free workshop went really, really well. And that feedback got back to the decision maker of the whole conference. I built a good relationship with them and they hired me to do the keynote the next year. So that one free event I can directly attribute like thousands and thousands of dollars of revenue to that event. So again, I did a free thing, but it paid well, right? Um, the other thing, the other example I was going to give you is we have um, one of our clients uh, who's in a, our booked and paid to speak training course. Um, all he does is free events. That's all he does is free events. So again, on paper, you'd be like, oh, you're a free speaker. You're not a real speaker. Uh, but he does it primarily for lead generation for his coaching business. And so he earned uh, in the past year, he's earned $372,000, $372,000 in new coaching business from free speaking gigs. Uh, and so this is why don't, like, I, don't, I don't think it's worth like viewing like, ah, oh, free is not real. Cause there's a lot of ways that you can directly, uh, you can leverage speaking to generate revenue in other ways, right? You could, um, especially if you have a book, there are some events where I know that I'm going to, if it's the right event and it's the right type of audience there and I've got a book or some type of product for that audience, there's a lot of times where I know I'm going to make more on product than whatever they're going to pay me. So I may be willing to do it for free knowing I'm going to make a killing because so many people are going to buy my book. Uh, and so having that book works as a great way to do something for free or do something discounted, knowing that you can use the book to generate revenue in other ways because you're speaking to the right audience. That's, that's great. Grant, this has been fantastic. I've got one final question for you and that's what would be your parting tip or a piece of advice for someone uh, who maybe they've just written a book or they want to leverage their book to get their first speaking gig? What would be your advice to them? Yeah. Um, I would, um, I'd say the biggest thing is like just getting the book done. The other thing I would say is just making sure that the book aligns with the audience that you want to speak to. I think that's a, that's a big challenge. So I'll give you a good example here of the book that I wrote was for high school students. And so I, I was doing a lot of high school speaking. Uh, whereas today, most of the speaking that I do is for entrepreneurs. It's for business owners. Uh, and so I don't really do speaking anymore for this high school audience. So I have a book today, but I speak to a different audience. So I have this disconnect here between the books. So you want to make sure that, again, those things are aligned so that your, your book fits with the audiences that you're speaking to. And some of that just, again, comes back to just planning that before you write the book. Because, again, some people are like, I wrote the book. 
and now I just gotta, now I just gotta, I hope someone will buy it. Like it just doesn't work like that. And so if you can tie in your speaking with your book, um, you're really exponentially increasing both your impact and, and your income. That's great. Grant, uh, as always, you, you delivered the goods. Um, I appreciate you dropping uh, all sorts of wisdom. And I know that people are going to get a lot out of this interview uh, here today. Where can people go to find out more about you, uh, what you're up to, and even your training courses that you have with, with uh, Book to Page Speak? Yeah, I'll give you a couple different sites real quick. So the, the site and podcast that you referenced earlier, the speakerlab.com, the speakerlab.com, people can definitely check that out. We have a free email course there. People can check out if they'd like all about how to get started as a speaker. We also do free workshops on a regular basis. You can go to freespeakerworkshop.com, freespeakerworkshop.com. Uh, and then if you just want to see like, okay, how's Grant position like a book and speaking together, my own personal site is over at grantbaldwin.com. So you can you can check that out. So depending on what you're looking for, lots of, uh, lots of places to check out. Awesome. Grant, thank you so much for coming on today. All right, brother. Thanks, man. Thank you so much for watching or listening to this episode of the Self-Publishing School Podcast. I know there's so many places that you can be spending your time. There's other podcasts that you could be listening to, YouTube channels that you could be watching. Uh, so thank you so much. It means the world. Now, I want you to do three things right now if you found this episode all right, number one, I don't know if you know this, but we've got a YouTube channel. It's a companion channel to this podcast. All the video versions of the episode are on the YouTube channel. So number one, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Number two, if you're listening to this podcast wherever, whether this is Spotify, Apple Podcasts, number two, I want you to subscribe to this podcast right now so you don't miss a future episode. Uh, and then number three, this is probably the most important uh, leave a review on the podcast. All right. Reviews are super important and help the podcast get discovered by other people. Uh, so number three, leave a review on the podcast. Thank you so much. I'll see you in the next episode. If you're on the fence about scheduling a publishing consultation call with my team, maybe you're not quite ready uh, for that. I've got some free training that I think will be really helpful for you. All right. All you have to do is go to register to sign up, go to selfpublishing.com forward slash free training. When you do, you're also going to get a free digital copy of my new book published. And on that training, you're going to learn the next step. So how to implement with your book. So how to write, how to publish, how to launch successfully. So go to register right now at selfpublishing.com forward slash free training. I'll see you there.